You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And if you're listening to this right now, you are in the right place. If you are listening to this in the future, you're in the right place. Uh, and if you somehow just stumbled upon this and you're like, who the hell is this guy talking? Well, you don't have to just listen to me because I have brought on uh, an amazing co-host uh, for this episode. But before we get there, uh, we do want to plug you know, our newsletter. You know, Communication is tough, especially holidays, all these different channels, Discord, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We have all the channels. But if you want to make sure you're in the know with everything that we have coming down the, down the pipe, um, and all the things kind of moving parts between AI art, season two, Mint 365. Uh, make sure to check out that newsletter. We'll make sure those uh, that is link is in uh, the show notes. But uh, without further ado, uh, someone who's been on our team for a good while, you've heard me uh, mention her a bunch uh, on the podcast. We've had some amazing conversations over time, and I'm excited to Rather than interview you, Leslie, I get to have a conversation and co-host with you. But uh, Leslie La Capadina, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into a fun conversation today. Hey, hey, hey. It's fun to be having like an opportunity to co-host because like we have these conversations all the time, and it's just fun to be able to share them with people. It's just We have such an interesting dynamic amongst our team, and so I think it's a really fun way to be able to expand the um, the podcast and the and the personalities that that are coming on. But anyway, um, so yeah, my name is Leslie. You probably know me as La Capitana on Twitter, and I've been part of the NFT365 team since about maybe April or May, some something in that range. Um, in real life, um, for my day job, I work in technology for a software company, so tech has always kind of been my thing. Um, I talk a lot about women in technology um, and like you know trying to really further that conversation because of I didn't have the same tech opportunities that are available now. So it's, it's an important thing for me. Um, but then uh, I got into Web3 uh, over a year ago. I, I was part of a, a project team, a founder um, in the very beginning, um, separated with that team and kind of had been like just really floating around until I found my home at, at NFT365. So I do a lot of business operations and some of the social things like that, working closely with Sanso Allison. You're a rock star, yeah, and, and, and that crossover skills. Uh, and you know, I, I, you know, you have been in. You know, like it's interesting. You know, when we think about how long we've been in this space, right? Like, it, you know, when people say like a year or six months, like, like I, we also have to qualify. Like, if someone's in six months of a bull run, way different than six months of a bear market, right? Like, like it's like I don't because like people say like, oh, you know, a year in Web three is ten years. Like, I think we have to qualify like what market it is because it's a it's a whole nother, um, you know, grind. And I'm excited to have a conversation, you know, like you mentioned like what your you know, day job is. You also mentioned your experience, you know, working with a founders and leadership team, uh, kind of branching off from that. Um, you know, I, I know your, your husband has a, a space in the, in the uh, web three, uh, you know, arena as well. You know, I, I'm curious your take, like where we're at right now. Like, I think we had a massive reset, um, bear market plus FTX, I think, um, was a, a reset in 
um, not only people, but I think uh, priorities, uh, how projects are showing up. Uh, you know, there are a lot of old projects that are still showing up, which I, I tip my hat to many of them. Um, but I'm curious your take on kind of twofold as we kind of kick off the conversation around, you know, where we're at. And then like maybe what are the, like some of the skill sets that are missing? Or for some people that are listening, I'm sure they're also wondering like where do they fit in with Web3? So what's your take on kind of where we're at and, and kind of where that all fits? I think that's such a wide topic because it's something that I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day about where do I where do I fit in Web3? And I think the most important message that that I have given to people is the, most, the best thing you can do for yourself, regardless of what environment, Web 2, Web 3, whatever, is to find what obviously you're passionate about. And something that is passionate for you makes it seem less worky. I mean, that's common sense, right? Um, but then being able to transfer that skill over to Web 3 isn't exactly mu much of a stretch. It's just finding a way to fit that in there. And it might be different components of it. But if you're passionate about it, and then you find a way to do it in, in Web 3, it's a perfect combination. Um, I I would say that I definitely use some of my Web 2 skills into Web 3, but there's a lot of skills that I'm learning in Web 3 that I never had. Or the more difficult part sometimes is unlearning behaviors. So it's like you have to come with an open mind about there are things that here, like, you know, tech stack that I have been exposed to that that works well, or like some social component. But I had to like unlearn like how corporately mindfucked you know that you are sometimes <laughs> no any other better way to say it like competitiveness and like hate on hate in the workplace like this is an environment that everybody is very supportive of one another and every single person just wants the other person next to them to succeed and if it is you pushing them along or them pushing you it's it's all the same starting point what she wasn't like that so it's like Along with the, <laughs> the skills gap, you have to really unlearn behaviors more than anything. To, That's uh, such a good point. That's such a good point on the unlearning, right? Like, and I think, you know, that actually might be one of the harder components, like in life, right? Like, I remember I, my very first job. He asked me two questions when he he I, I ran into somebody who pointed out my fraternity letters in line. Uh, I was buying milk at the grocery store, and he asked me two questions. He was like, "Do you know what a a, a vulnerability is uh, in cybersecurity?" I was like, "No." And he was like, do you know what uh, uh, remediation is? And I was like, no. He's like, well, I guess the good news is I don't have to unlearn. I don't have to. Actually, I think his words were, I don't have to unfuck you. So I think you're you're going to be you know good to go moving forward. And I was like, I remember being like, is that a compliment? Is that, do I have a better chance of getting the job? And I, you know, I went in the next morning and interviewed and got the job. And what I didn't realize was that, you know, in that time, this was 2003, 2004, the, the, like, the people that knew cybersecurity knew it in such a hacked version of it right. that getting them to come back into a Windows environment that was that was kind of like slowly rolling out. I mean, this was like Windows 2000 uh, had had just you know emerged. Like, I mean, like wow, I sound old now putting it that way. Um, but like that unlearning, like I I had a competitive advantage. I, I was the ninth person on the help desk team. I was the first promoted. And then all of them ended up working for me very quickly. And I would argue that I, when I went in there, the, the, their experience and knowledge was greater than mine. But because I didn't have to unlearn or the things that like, I did kind of quote unquote had to unlearn, they were kind of crossed over. So I like that you kind of brought that up. I'm curious, you know, like, I mean, when FTX or we found out that FTX was using QuickBooks for a $12 billion business, 
and they were doing invoicing over Slack DMs. And like that's like like that's shameful. Like I mean Web3 has a has a has a very free-flowing way of building, <laughs> but like because you mentioned the stack, and I like the first thing I thought of was like when I heard that they were like, I mean, that's like TurboTax for a 14 billion dollar. Like, I mean, what in the world were, were they thinking? I'm curious, you're like because like that point of like not un, you know, unlearning is is definitely one of the skill sets. But I also wonder how much of it is like not being dependent on some of those corporate and web two like formalities along with the tech, right? Like, cause like some people are like, you know, where's my invoicing? Where's my, you know, my, uh, my HR department. Like a lot of the things that let's face it, some companies like Yuga labs, they have that, but what do you, what's your take on that? Like, what's your take on like where some of that hang up is for people? Cause I think that also will help people find their own path. Cause I think some people are like, I'm not technical. Well, truth be told, a lot of people in the space can read Etherscan at this point. They understand enough about Discord and Twitter. You're probably more technical than you 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 give yourself credit to. But what's your thought on that? You know, I think that I have heard that a lot. Like, oh, I'm not technical, so I, you know, I'm it, it's not in the sucks for me, or I don't understand, or blah blah blah. And, and you don't really have to be technical. I mean, despite the fact that I you know work in technology, I'm not a techie person. I can like read code. I can't really write code. I mean, you wouldn't want me to write code. <laughs> let's just say it that way. But, you know, you don't have to be technical. I think a few general concepts get you pretty far. But, you know, in terms of the the corporate policy type things, and this is where, like, some corporate things and things that you've learned in Web 2 can really be helpful in, in Web 3 is having the structure. Like, we all live on automation, right? Like, everything yep. you want to do work-wise, you want it to be automated because it's just less manual shit to do. And... It takes less resources, but in order to have a really good automation and build a workflow, you have to know the process really in and out. And I think that's what a lot of people it might be missing is just either the knowledge of a process or establishing a process. And in the FTX case, I I cringe at like hearing some of the um, the I'll call them rumors because I don't really know fact from fiction at this point. But yeah. like you know, QuickBooks is a great tool. Is it a great, great tool. tool in in managing that level? No, absolutely not. And like, if you have if you've got much capital at stake and your accounts payable, I mean, I don't. I have so many comments. I won't even like really say out loud because there, there's too many curse words that'll probably come out. Because <laughs> as a as a you know a, a person in business and and web two, like that shit really pisses me off that yeah. you, know, you didn't. What makes me most angry about that, this is all I'll say about it, is that was there not enough oversight by more than one person that would ever indicate, wow, this is really effed up. We probably shouldn't do it this way. And for that many people involved in the organization, it's not like they only had two employees. I mean, they, yeah. there was a ton. So is there not enough oversight that that somebody raised a red flag that's the part that just astounds me because we have a responsibility to one another to yeah. you know hold each other accountable, do things the right way. Like there's business ethics at stake here, but those will all fall out the window. But you know, I, I you know, not only do I, that I do I think so. This is actually I think it's a perfect little spot for like it's proof that we need everybody in this space, right? Like I mean, like and I also think we also have to remove some of our quote unquote roles or titles or job descriptions. And like, let, let's like start from a fresh, like fresh 
you know, whiteboard and say, okay, what are the, what are the things that like we need? What are the problems that need to be solved? Where, where are the solutions? What are the skill sets that get us there? Because I think like if someone's coming in and saying, Hey, I am naturally uh, a product manager, right. Or I'm naturally, um, I was on, you know, human resources, uh, team manager, or I had one, uh, recently, um, she was the head of, um, of global influencer, no, not influencer, global, um, global B2B partnerships. And she's like, Brian, I don't fit into this space. And I was like, what? I was like, this space needs collaboration, partnerships, sponsors. I was like, you have all of the skill sets for that. And she's like, yeah, but like, that's, and I, and I think, I think part of it does come down to us almost being willing to experiment to find what a new role might look like, right? I think that's an exciting component of this. I think it's also an opportunity to insert yourself. You're not going to go out and find a job description of a role that's going to suit you exactly. And Web2 is a little bit different. If you're a project manager, you go and find a project manager job. And in Web2, we've always found that we have some transferable skills. I used to work in accounting. And, you know, and so I have a ton of experience with Excel formulas. And, like, that comes in really handy in development, yeah. you know, but... It, you know, it's finding the right place for you and inserting yourself. You're not going to find a, a, a specific role. You have to kind of almost like volunteer yourself in there. Like, hey, this is what I'm good at. And then start, like you said, experiment and find the right combination of things that you can be successful. It doesn't mean that you have to have really experience doing it. You have to have the willingness to try and learn. That's the number one component of anything that you're doing. And, and our team is living proof, right? Like our team here, right? Like with, with, with Delphi and native and Carter and Kevin and, you know, and Drew. And I mean, like that, if you look at all of that, like web, like you put that lineup in a web two, what our, what the web two worlds were, you're like, there's no way these people are a web three team, right? Like, the misfits, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like, I mean, and like, we're all over the map, right? We, I mean, we, we pulled in the Canadians, right? We, we, we are locked and loaded with Canadians, but you know, I think that's a good example. And I think for one of the things that I think is also important is that like some people, I don't think identify themselves as like a content creator, mm -hmm. but for a lot of people, content creation in web one, web two was either like an influencer's job or the marketing department. Like really that's the people that created content for the most part in a lot of you know our worlds. I believe moving forward, we're re we're reimagining what a creator like what that terminology is, Absolutely. and we could argue like I mean I love Twitter Spaces partially because it's kind of democratizing content creation because yeah. for a lot of people they don't even realize like actually Becky uh, shout out to to Becky who runs the you know women uh, in web uh, tech on Thursday nights you know she was in a space with me last night and we were going back and forth on DMs and you know one of the things that jumped out at me was like her where she believes her, like her strengths are or what um, she's like, she's like, I'm really proud that like we did 18, uh, we've done 18 weeks in a row of our, our Thursday night space with a guest each time. And she's like, but you know, we might be experimenting on like podcasting and, and might, might want to become content creators next year. And I was like, might want to, you just did 18 weeks in a row for 90 minutes. Like, I mean, like that is, you're there. Like, yeah, you're there without question. Cause I think, the other part with content creation is like, I think people, uh, and maybe I'm curious what your, like, what is your, what was your view maybe content creation in like your world pre-Web3 and then like where that fits in, like even for yourself, right? Because like, I, I, I tell you this every time, every time you come up on our, our Twitter spaces stage, you add immense value. You also add a perspective 
that I believe is always needed on those spaces. And I think for many people on our team, part of it was like, I just need you to get up there, get up there. Like you're good to go. But like, how did you look at content creation? And do you look at it a little bit differently now in, in like Web3, even in, in your kind of the day to day? Absolutely. I think that Web3 is redefined. I, I wouldn't even say redefined because there's not a set definition anymore. It went from like this, this model to like whatever it is that you want it to be. Everybody is a content creator, especially because in this space, and we say it all the time, and it's like at this point, it's almost cliche to say it, but like we're so early. But really, like we are, like still are. to this day, we are. And, I, you know, you think back to, I mean, we're, I'm going to show my age now, Facebook. Like Facebook, let's let's go back 10 years. I mean, Facebook's been a lot, around a long time. But 10, 15 years ago, people were just like posting like, hey, I'm going to the doctor today. Or here's my grocery store. Here's a picture from my birthday. But then you started to see influencers emerging. And like all it took was one person to do it. And then two people did it. And then three people did it. And they started to monetize it. Like, hey, I'm starting to get like free shit or I'm starting to promote things and I'm getting paid for it everything starts with an idea. Everything starts with taking a step. So it's, it's not too dissimilar from web three in terms of like, there isn't a definition yet. It's so early that like, this is a great entry point to really imagine anything that you really want to do that you're passionate about. So it's like, there's so many opportunities. It's, I think that content creation is a wide topic that anybody can tap into, whether you're doing like like the most popular thing right now, not the most popular, one of the popular things on Twitter is like threads and like informative, yep. sharing valuable in information that people can use that, you know, and that was, all it took was a couple people to start doing it. And then now, like, that's a great way to not only en engage with your followers, but then to build a following, build community because you're showing value. So it's like, you just got to try. That's all you have to do. Yeah, and, you know, and I think this is where, you know, like, I love, like, I always break down, like, the content game into the three realms for me, right? It's the, you document, you're either creating, or you're curating, right? And I like, like, the documenting is my favorite part. It, when people ask, like, how am I everywhere doing all the things? Because 99% of the time, I'm documenting. Like, I mean, it might come across, like, even the, even that daily podcast, like, truthfully, it was more of a documentation of every day for a year, right? Like, like I didn't really create, like, cause like for me, creating, yeah, yeah. And, and also like, this is where like, and like, I mean, one of the things that I will credit for like my brand growth was actually my, my content curation and the way that I did that early on 2012, 2013, 2014 was I, I was like, I don't blog. I started blogging in 2014. So like that was my first blog and I did it I mean, granted, I did it every week for four years. So like I went in, uh, it's kind of my nature, but I will tell you, I was like, I, I don't have a website. I don't have a blog. Like, what do I do? And then I realized I'll just quote, reshare LinkedIn articles and I'll put my thoughts above, tag the person and say, Hey, this post is great. Read for their thoughts on it. And all of a sudden people were like, people started quoting back to me. Like, I remember the first time someone was like, yeah, Brian, it's just like your idea of think like a fan. And I remember verbatim. Someone, we were, um, we were in a Google Hangout, which is where it ages it. Um, and they said, oh, where's the, where can we go to learn more about Think Like a Fan? And I was like, there isn't anywhere. Like, I don't have a website. I wasn't using a hashtag. Those weren't even popular back then. I was like, but it was something I reiterated when I was curating content, right? I was taking others. And like, Twitter is a, is a prime location to that. But I also think this goes into 
the roles within the space, right? Because you and I were even talking pre-show, you know, some, some projects have like a well-defined executive board, um, you know, everything mapped out. Other projects have like a large team, but everybody kind of does a little bit of everything. Other projects have like two people masking as like seven people. And I, I think one of the things that probably hangs up some people is that it is that adage. Like if I give you a whiteboard and tell you to draw something, you're like, um, where do I start? But if I give you a square and say, I want you to draw in here and I want you to draw something that has to do with the ocean, your ability to draw in that is, is a lot more defined, right? And so like, like I, do, I believe some people will fit better in a three-person team. Some people would work better joining a team that has eight, becoming a mod, and kind of working into that team role, right? Or even what we've seen with Crypto Dads, Crypto Dads' five most active and very loyal members ended up presenting to the, the original team and said, hey, we know that you guys have a lot going on, or you, because there was only one left. Um, would you be willing to sell us and let us come in as the executives? Like, to me, like, that does not exist in Web2. Like, you cannot, you can't, like, you're like, hey, um, us, the fellow employees on level one, uh, we just decided <laughs> we want to buy the company from UC. That just doesn't happen. And so, like, I think that's a, um, I think it's like a missed view or opportunity for people that, like, to see that, like, you don't have to be the original or come in the normal pathway to actually be a part of some of these great teams. I think that project takeovers are a very underutilized and underappreciated concept. And I love it. Like if there is a project I'm going to buy into, guaranteed the one that I want to buy into is one that somebody took over because yep. the reemergence of energy into an existing community is amazing. But, and I, I love the examples of that. Um, that we, and there's been quite a few. Some are hostile takeovers. Some are like friendly takeovers. <laughs> It's a little bit of everything, but it's always somebody that's a part of the community that feels really passionate about it. And then, you know, they take it to the next level. And I think those are going to be some of the biggest success stories that you see kind of going forward because, it, you know, again, they're usually like a sold out project in some cases, um, but even non sold out projects that the takeover component, it's just like there's so many that kind of go and then they sell and then they sort of just kind of fall apart and whether it's lack of leadership, lack of skills, lack of bodies to do whatever work needs to be done. I think as we all know, being a project founder is a lot of work. Like it is very underestimated how much work goes into being a founder and so many different roles within that. But if it falls apart, that I think it's amazing to see somebody pick it back up and then breathe life into it because there's there's still opportunities for the original founders to, you know, if they stay on the wallet and they get a share or whatever, like there are ways to monetize it. There's a whole new game of mergers and acquisitions that hasn't been played yet in Web3, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> well, and, you know, and it also doesn't even have to be replacing founders. Like there's a couple projects that I, and I won't say their names, but I, I do have an idea for a game you and I can play here in a minute. Um, but there's a couple of projects that need a new CMO. Like the CMO that was there is kind of burnt out. CMO, you know, and, and they weren't even one of the original founders. They were brought in, but they're, 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 they're kind of like a little bit lost, maybe outside their depth at the moment, right? Like that's a great spot. But I, the game I was thinking of play, and, you know, you know Leslie has to roll. She, she's been on, my, on the team enough to know like part of me is like rolling with these uh, punches. Uh, she was like, Brian, are we going to strategize and outline the episode? I was like, what is this strategy word, a strategize <laughs> word that you're referring to? 
But I, I, I want to pose this to you, and, I, and I'll take the same thing. What is one of the projects? So pick a project that is in your bag okay. that you think, like, if you were like, you know, if you had the time and bandwidth right now, that you were like, you know what? I could spend more time in there and probably move into a role where my skill set fits and really make an impact. What is there a project that jumps out of you? Like, uh, uh, like I mean, I think because it, it's a it's a positive thing for you know whatever projects we are mentioning. But there's a one that jumps out at you that you think would be a fit like that. Yes, um, I think the one like if I had that option, it's it's a kind of a toss up. But I think my most favorite one, which is actually one of the very first ones that I ever was even involved with, was um, the Alphabetties. Oh, yeah. And so I always have loved the alphabetics. I think the art is super cute. And there's so many different little components. I have, um, my husband bought me my first one. And it was like a little blonde girl when I had blonde hair. And like a cup of coffee. He bought it because it reminded him of me. But they have been so family friendly over time. And it's just, it's, it's just kind of stagnant at the moment. They post occasionally. But I, like, I think it would be super fun to get in there and re-energize it because we have a different audience now. Back then, there wasn't a lot of family-friendly people. It was just a bunch of degens, and <laughs> yeah. and like um, some of us had kids, some of us didn't, you know, whatever. But now there's an entire wide variety of like twenty-year-old degens hanging out with sixty-year-old, you know, people that are retired or or what have you. It's like we have a huge mix of people now, so I think that's a great opportunity to kind of get back to the family-friendly part. Doesn't mean that. Web three has to turn entirely family friendly. Like I like to be an adult too, and like not parent. But it would be really fun to like get in, back into something like that. So that's probably one of the top ones that I think would be cool. But what about you? I want to hear yours. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, as I was posing it to you, you know, I because like one of the things that you mentioned this, like the founder role is so overworked. But I've I've had this soapbox since 2013. I think my one of the blog posts I wrote in the very first year I started blogging 2014 was that. Like not everyone should want to or should be an entrepreneur. Like I was so anti the everyone's an entrepreneur conversation because of like people don't really give you the full like roller coaster of what exists an entrepreneur. People want certain benefits of an entrepreneur, which I think can exist in other roles that don't have to be a full-time entrepreneur, right? I mean, the, the, the concept of side hustles or working as a partner in a small business where there's five partners, much better in my opinion than a solopreneur or entrepreneur. So like when I was thinking about this is like, for me, like I love, I love not having to be the, like the, the CEO, like in a way, like my dream of like moving forward of this is like, I don't want to be the CEO of the company that I run, whatever, you know, moving forward, because I, I believe like that's not my, my strength. Right. And I, I believe I, I am great at being a voice and being a, a leader and being a content creator and being kind of a communication vehicle. And so one that jumps out at me would be X punks. Uh, the expansion punks, because I feel like if I could spend more time in there, I believe they need just content creation. Like I, I, I honestly think um, content creation, consistent Twitter spaces, and they can really, because like there are some great people in it. The project was designed with such the best intentions. I mean, he spent three months identifying which features were not equally distributed amongst the sexes of the original crypto punks and then built that art to to give because there was no there's no females with hoodies that are smiling in the original crypto punks and now it exists in x punks and so like there's so much about like people can be seen there's non-binary uh, identifying art but the the thing about it is the founder jeremy and we've had him on the podcast um wicked smart microsoft guy um but he's also wicked smart from like an engineer guy 
and like his blog posts, like I write and talk a lot. That dude's blog posts. I mean, it's like, it's like a 10 day blog post and it's just blog posts, right? There's no, like, I mean, there needs to be, I think, I think YouTube content would be great. So yeah, X-Punks to me, cause I love it. I still hold, I mean, I don't even know how many I hold. I hold 10 probably at the moment, um, uh, X-Punks. And I, I still believe in like that core fundamentals. And I also feel like Jeremy can run it. Cause Jeremy, like he knows his stuff. He has the financial side down. He has that like CEO level. I could kind of you know, carve out my role. So that would be one that would jump out at me. That's a really good one. Um, I actually, <coughs> sorry, frog in my throat. I, there's like a lot of projects I think that could kind of use that. Um, a project that has started coming back a little bit, it's kind of been like up and down that I always wanted to get into, but it was way out of kind of my range initially was um, the Koala Intelligence Agency. I've always loved oh, like, <laughs> the CIA. It's super cute. And I saw them kind of come up again. Um, same with like uh, the Shark Cove, I think was another early one that was. Oh, yeah. They were all the same around the same time, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. And we, and I have like a, like a gold shark. Like it's probably one of the top ones. And I'm like, oh, man, it would be so fun. And again, some of them like spin up again. But it's like I think some of it comes down to consistency, too. And that you're a really good example of that. I loved how, you know, you had to make that promise to yourself and doing the podcast and making that decision to, you know, press the damn button to do it every single day. But consistency is something that I think we all struggle with. I definitely struggle with it. But if there were some consistency among some of the projects, I think that that alone would make a big difference for things. But even I think consistency no matter the medium, like I would argue, like, I just want a consistent email newsletter, consistent blog post. You don't have to do all of them, like, like for projects. And so like, I think this is great for anyone that's listening and you're like, hey, I'm trying to find my niche or my role. Like, just take on that role and maybe one of your favorite projects and say, you know what? Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to create, cause like, I will tell you, Crypto Dads, um, the Crypto Dads podcast and the Crypto Dads email letter, email newsletter was not started by the team. It was literally started by two people that just had a decent bag of Crypto Dads and wanted to do it. Like, they, let's wear that start. And like, I feel that was like, it was really cool because almost all projects, allowed ownership early on because that's where like you know the first um you know like the lazy hats right like people people just started kind of like forming and creating their own content and then i think there's a little bit of this like control mongering that decided to happen and people are like no we need to we need to stamp you with our approval before you can have your own derivative or whatever and you're like okay what the hell we're going back into web 2 controls but i think i think that's like is an interesting place and it could be anything like even if you're like, hey, I only know Instagram, right? Like, if you could, hey, let me take over your Instagram account and just post daily a different, like, there's 10,000 images in a lot of these collections. Yeah, have content for the IG. Like, like, why are they not using it, right? Like, because I think, like, people can get in that way and then kind of find other roles within their team or within the, you know, the conversation. You know, I, it, again, it just goes back to taking a stab at it. It's, you have to do a self-analysis, and it requires some level of self-awareness. Like, you have yeah. to know, A, what your skills are, things that you're good at naturally, um, or things that you can learn, too, but then, like, what you really like. But um, And I'll, I'll give a shout-out to somebody that um, has been a really good example of that, Brendan, Brendan Bald. Um, yep. You know, from the very beginning, he was like, mostly, I think, with non-code docs, was doing yep. kind of like the, the non-code docs news. And then branched out into Lazy Hats or uh, the Lazy Lions. And then, yep. uh, so he's been like really now branching everywhere, but now it's just kind of transformed from project specific to like content specific. He's really giving people a lot of information on how to stay consistent, 
create content, just try. And even if it's something that like, if you want to get into TikTok and you like literally don't know anything about TikTok, that's okay. <laughs> just make a couple videos, try. It's, it's all about experimentation and then trying something, adjusting what didn't work about that or figure out what did work and trying to replicate that. And if you do that enough times, how do you think WD-40 got invented? It's like my most favorite story of all time. It's like a series of experimentation till you get the right formula. And then you just mass produce at that point. And as long as you're bringing value, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And I think also, I think one of the, the places here too, is like, I do believe in like the monetization conversation. And I also believe in kind of the, you know, like as things kind of, you know, as we kind of, I don't want to say get more mature because I would assume that we are mature uh, as a Web3 no, world as it is now, <laughs> but we are not mature at all as a Web3 community. Is, uh, anybody, but I think, really though, is anybody really mature? I mean, I, no, think I, I, mean, I don't. We I don't, pretend, but like we're all 12 year olds in our heads. So. I'm a Toys R Us kid and I don't ever plan on growing up and I don't even, it does not bother me one bit. But, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting and, I, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say that this whole artist thing has been for me one of the weirdest, weirdest mind things that I've ever had to deal with, which sounds crazy because I'm creating AI art. You know, I've talked about it here on the podcast. We've been selling it, we're working with Nifty, and, and Leslie will have to talk a little bit about what you're doing with our, our Nifty team a little bit, tease that out uh, as well. But I, I've had a, a block in many arenas of like an artist, like being able to create art and then put it out for the sake of the art, for me, has just never been in my wheelhouse. So I often am, am like roadblocking myself with marketing tactics or the tech, or I want to add utility or without all these different you know things um, on top of it. And then I also found myself, even in conversations, like caveating and like, like almost like uh, apologizing for having an opinion on the new space. And so I think for anyone that's listening to this, if you're feeling that, like you're not alone. Like these these new like endeavors. Sometimes you're, it's, it's I don't even want to call it imposter syndrome. It's more of like, hey, I'm swimming in new waters, and there's others that have been swimming here longer, and like they're holding me equal because this space is really cool at that, right? Like we yeah. are very good at valuing. Like someone came up the other day uh, on one of the Twitter spaces I was on, and they're like, hey, um, I, I've only been a Discord mod for a little bit, and I have a question. So they asked this like really great question. And then afterwards, I'll, I'll give credit to CK over there at Ape Liquid. He fired back and was like, oh, well, how long have you been a Discord mod? You know, in your Discord, that was a great question. And she, she was like, uh, almost a year. It'll be a year. And I remember I was like, she just say a year? Like, and like, so she came up there, like making it sound as if she was a, the brand new Discord one. And then CK was like, well, what would you do in this case? And she's like, well, did you know this feature exists? And like, she was literally giving back feedback, but she opened it up with, like it was almost to the assumption, like, well, this project's been around for a year. Their community managers must have ample amount of experience. And so I think that's an interesting thing. And it's really hit me in the art space because I find myself, I'm confident and I'm loud and I have no problem talking, but I find myself like caveating and like almost like in, in every way, apologizing for being in that uh, arena. And I think it's okay. It's just, I think we just have to know that that's kind of part of this early jump. Yeah, you know, and I think it's amazing to for especially for you, you found an additional creative outlet. And it allows you to open up an entire realm that, you know, wasn't possible for you before. And I think that that's, it's a great example of how that exists for everybody in Web3. It's a matter of being able to 
give it a try and find it and find the right formula. You didn't become an awesome AI artist by just plugging in and all of a sudden, like, if it was that easy, everybody would do it, right? And right. It's, you have to try it. You had to be consistent with it. And once you found the right formula that works for you, then again, it's like, it's. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's scientific by any means, because it's not. It's just, it, it literally is just just trying. But I do yeah, think it's yeah. really amazing to find that outlet for you. You know, and you brought up, so like, you know, for just the context, right, for the audience, I like, I discovered AI art, like the concept of using it for NFTs in August or August in April. And I, I, AI has been like something I've loved and worked in from the data tech side for a long while, but like AI art, I was like, oh, wow, look at these AI apes and look at the, and I saw what they were creating. And then I asked a couple of questions about the AI creation. I was like, oh, screw this. This is like coding and it's a lot of stuff. And yeah, I'm like, and like, and they were using artistic terms. And I was like, ew, like I was so weirded out by it. And then the end of June, I found another NFT that that showed me mid journey. And I got into mid journey. I put a couple of things in there and I was like, this is kind of generic. I felt like it was like, actually, I, th I felt it was, it, it almost felt like elementary for what I would like, I, what I tried to do. So I was like, this isn't for me either. So that was like, you know, June, July. And then August, I had one of those moments where someone was an artist, and I, I don't even know if I've said this, but um, I believe it was either Photox or Retail Joe, who are two uh, active members in our community. Um, they they were talking about like the creative outlet and like that they that it really ends up being um, in many cases like uh, you know it it allows them like a mental health break and and they, and they as they were talking about, I was like, man, I could really use that. I dabbled in the AI. Maybe I'll, I'll try it out more, right? And I and I didn't even like download my own server. I didn't do. I didn't even create my paid account. I created another free account, and then I started playing with it. And then I was like, I'm gonna listen to their office hours. And then I started being asking questions in the Discord that that Midjourney had. And then I was like, uh oh, this is a, this is a bug, right? And then I installed my own server. And so I think it's a perfect example for anyone that's out there. Like, if there's something that interests you, or maybe it interests you before, but then you didn't jump in. Like the water's still warm. Like I'm so glad that I circled back to that because at the time, like, and 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 funny enough, like now knowing Mid Journey, the reason that it didn't fit the first two times was the tool was different. It was it was a completely different program tool. So that like my skill set and like what I wanted to, to do wouldn't have been a good output there, right? I think that is part of the 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 beauty and it's an example in this space that I, I hope more people kind of can jump into and lean into and. You know, and ultimately, for me, it's just another avenue of storytelling, which you know I'm actually addicted to. <laughs> actually, I think that's a you brought up a really good point about it. It's never too late to jump in, and I think that that is part of the imposter syndrome that people kind of foster is that well, somebody's already done it. Like, there's not enough room for me in this space. Like, whether you want to start, like, you hear it all the time with people wanting to start either like a blog, influencing, um, YouTube. Instagram and insert any medium there that like people are, oh, there's, it's, there's so much of it that market is saturated. Maybe, but are you going to find out unless you try? One of the great things about coming in and maybe even later in the game is you come with a different perspective, a fresher perspective. So it's like, again, adding value, finding a way to be able to find something that's unique for you, that your niche or whatever. And if that is valuable to people, it will it will grow. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes consistency, but it's like it's never too late. Like literally somebody that's listening to this right now, they're like, I really wanted to start my own YouTube show for the last three years, but I keep putting it off because I don't think that anybody's gonna like it. I don't think anybody's gonna listen to it. I don't I don't have anything to say or it's too saturated. 
press the damn button. Yes, I like <laughs> that. And you're right. And I heard Mr. Beast, you know, right now I consider the greatest, you know, he is the king creator currently at the moment. He makes the most amount of money. He has the biggest following on, on YouTube. It's just a wicked. Well, he's like a really nice guy on top of that. Uh, like, I mean, amazing, right? Like, just, I mean, he's like the guy that you hope all creators like become, right? Like he's right. just that guy. But he said, he made a comment that he believed before, you know, because someone was like, well, every time I think of a channel that I want to create on YouTube, that I go, I look on YouTube and there's already a bunch of channels that are talking about the same thing. And his comment was, until there's 30,000 of the same type of channels, it's not saturated in YouTube. And I was like, it's so true because like, I mean, I'll tell you in podcasting, there, there is, there is not even close to enough NFT Web3, crypto, and I would argue anyone that has a podcast idea right now, even if there's like nine others that do interviews similar, you could literally interview just different people. <laughs> and like, like that, it's like, it's so like, the, I, and it is, it is frustrating. Cause like, I, I will say like, I didn't launch my first book that I wrote because I got that syndrome. Like I started to realize all these millennial books were out and mine was titled millennial mindset. I own the copyright and, and I decided, I, I kept being like, oh. I missed the mark. There's too many millennial books out. And talking about one of my biggest regrets in my entire life was not pressing the damn button on that damn book because the book was good. The market needed it. And none of the other books targeted my audience or put it out in my way. Right. I think that is part of like the, um, the space that we're in. Um, I did mention, uh, you know, the nifty gateway piece and, you know, I was, uh, you know, lucky enough to be asked to be, uh, one of the curators uh, back in July of uh, Nifty Gateway. And Nifty Gateway, for those that maybe aren't as familiar, it's a, a very selective, like, um, you know, they only had 93 or 94, I'm going to say 93 because, you know, I like that number, uh, 93 creators for the first uh, year that were hand-selected to be part of their um, of their marketplace. And then they decided to reach out to 50 uh, curators and said, hey, you guys can onboard anybody that you want in your community so it's one as much of a selective piece. So they, of course, um, you know, asked uh, us to do it, and I kind of guinea pigged out uh, the first, uh, you know, twelve drops with uh, my AI art over there, and absolutely fell in love with the platform. Um, its mechanics, the onboarding is just really um, smooth. And so, you know, Leslie, because of her skill set and because of the things that she likes, and she's kind of like perfect into like being able to onboard people and, and kind of welcome people in, but also understand kind of the launch sequence um, has kind of taken over some of the stuff with Nifty Gateway. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're kind of doing on that side for what you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am in love with the Nifty Gateway platform because it's such a great opportunity for artists that wouldn't have otherwise been known. Web3 in general, I think is obviously great for artists and be able to capture royalties. Um, there's so much, so much there. But in the Nifty Gateway platform, they really focus on art. It's not I, I wouldn't say it's not for a generative art collection. I would say it's not for a large generative art collection. It's meant to be more um, boutique, if you will, um, in terms of an artist collection. But what I love about the platform and, and what we're doing is accepting um, and reviewing artists that want to have a, a drop. And it can be anywhere from one or two pieces up to, I mean, I don't think there's specifically a limit, but it's probably ideal to say less than like probably 100, maybe more like 20 25 it's probably a good target in there um, but it gives so much flexibility into how it is sold and how the royalties work um, there's different sale types 
You can configure each different uh, NFT out there as a different sale type. So if you want to have additions or if you want to do an auction style, if you want to have a one of one, again, lots of flexibility, super easy to use and their support and their interest. One of the things that I'm very passionate about in tech is user experience because user experience will make or break a platform. And they've done a really good job of not just curating an environment that's easy to use. They have a great help section, but then they reach out pretty regularly asking for feedback and they're very receptive to the feedback. And they're not defensive over, well, this is designed this way for this purpose. They're like, that's good information. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna take it back to our team and they start to evaluate it. And I think that's been a huge differentiator just in the opinion of the platform. And the fact that they were just recently, obviously, um, launching the Starbucks Odyssey, um, it's been amazing. It's an amazing opportunity for them for exposure, but they do a really good job too of like supporting the publishers and the artists by assisting with the marketing because they realize we can't do this for everybody, but you guys can, you can do it. And they still curate individual drops but they're, I think, going more in a specific brand arena so that we can focus on more boutique type drops. But I love the configuration options. And um, again, their support has been really amazing. So shout out to Roberto. Thank you, dude. Um, he's been great to work with. Um, so I, again, the, the an idea here is so that we can align ourselves with artists and brands that we feel passionate about and help to amplify them. And that's something that your message has been all along is to amplify those around you. So this is just a great illustration of how to do that. Yeah, and we're excited. We have a couple um, artists in the pipeline um, that will be doing drops kind of like on our little marketplace. Um, and, you know, for those that are artists that are listening or maybe you have friends and family, I know I had um, a friend that actually is actually author of one of my favorite books. Um, you know, he's been, um, he actually unfortunately uh, lost his son uh, to a, a, a disease and uh, through his battle of kind of going through that, he found art and he found his like his love for art and he's been doing a lot of these uh, paintings and he and he's like, Brian, I don't really want to get into NFTs or crypto, but I do want to get like this art out and you know it's in the memory of my son and I want to raise funds for the, the the cause my son had and um and uh, and I was he reached out to me yesterday and he's like, hey, I want to like restart this conversation and I immediately thought like, that's a perfect spot for Nifty Gateway. We can do a yeah. couple drops on there, have it automatically, the funds go directly uh, to the wallets that need to. So for those that are out there listening, maybe aspiring artists, new art, uh, artists, existing artists, um, or even like, I would say like artist adjacent, um, like, you know, we're open to some like collaboration options and things as well. So uh, I love that you're taking that on, uh, Leslie, for the for the team. Uh, excited to get a couple of these out there. I know uh, that a couple of our, our like most passionate and uh, listeners and longtime listeners uh, are, are part of the team that we're going to be able to put out there to the world. So uh, it's another example of finding uh, your space, right? Like in a weird way, if you would have asked me, even if I wasn't doing the AI art, like what would be my role in the art space? Being able to be a curator, right? Like being, because I've minted a lot of projects. I'm in the know. I'm active as all hell in all the Twitter spaces. I do know people that that I can like, hey, this person, I trust them. Let's bring them in. That was a role that was kind of presented to me. I didn't even know, I didn't even know there was option. <laughs> didn't know they were looking. And so like, it's a perfect example of like, if you're willing and open and what you've said perfectly, Leslie, like you just have to be willing to try a couple of things. And more than likely, the thing you try might not even be the thing you do for more than a, 
a month or 45 days, but it'll get the ball rolling. That'll probably put the ball in the right court uh, in the future. So I love this conversation, Leslie. This is great. We're going to have you back, uh, of course, uh, continually throughout season two. Uh, super excited to have you on uh, as a co-host. You were, uh, without question, one of my first uh, on my list whenever we were you know, kind of near the end of season one and I wanted to do co-host. I was excited to uh, have these type of conversations. People are a fly on the wall. We have these conversations already with our, our team, uh, and it's a lot of fun to have this. Share love. Yep, <laughs> Share love to everybody. Yep, yeah, there you go. That's the way it works. So, uh, any last words from you, Leslie? Anything you want to throw out there? No, I just appreciate you having me on, and I love I love sharing this type of stuff with people. I think that if if one person listens to this and says, you know what, I'm going to press the damn button and find some inspiration from it, or takes it and uses it as their momentum to find the right place for them, then you know what? Job done. But um, if anything, maybe have a good couple of laughs and us joking about how old we are and showing our age. And you'll all, and every single time we have this conversation, by the way, I know it's going to happen. He's going to throw like a Microsoft jab in there because we're, <laughs> we're a split team between Apple and Microsoft. I'm a Microsoft junkie. And I, yes, I have an iPhone, but that's about my only Apple device. And he's on Microsoft as evidenced by all of the Microsoft, or, all of the Apple devices the boxes behind you right now that I can still see. <laughs> yep, is, although I, I said for the longest time, Microsoft kept me employed. Apple kept me happy because I, I, in the cybersecurity world, we didn't do anything on Apple. Every, everything was windows servers, windows devices. Uh, and so I, I do have like that little share and I love what Microsoft's doing with LinkedIn, but that's a whole nother, uh, you know, rabbit hole we'll go down to. Um, and the other thing I just want to throw out there, you know, for our audience, you know, I will say like, Leslie is involved uh, both herself, her husband, um, in a lot of projects and exposed to a lot of projects that I am not, that I was, I hadn't heard of, I wasn't a part of, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and for me, that's like part of the reason I was excited to have you on and excited to have so many of our co-hosts because like, you know, to me, this isn't about shilling. It's about presenting like these different, like, I, and like the Koala one you brought up, like I remember when that dropped, but I remember it only because I remember the name and, but I, I couldn't even have told you anything about the project since, right? It just, it, it is not one. And when you brought that up, I'm like, this is why it's so important. Like in you, even for, like, if you can find one or two people in your favorite discord to just have conversations, start a little, you know, Twitter DM group and have these conversations because different people's perspective on different projects, different value, you get to see different things through. Like to me, that this is the fundamental example of like, what a team power is because, you know, yeah. Jordash has different views on what, uh, on what Jordash has been exposed to. You know, we have Drew, we have the whole team. And I mean, Native has given us ideas for projects that we minted and, and well, she used to be a Solana maxi. Now she, I think she's given up a little bit on uh, Solana. Shout out to, to Native. Love, love you Native and all the things you, uh, you do for us uh, in Discord and out of Discord and writing and such. But um, yeah. Leslie, this was fun. This was a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, excited for this journey uh, on the season two and uh, for all those listening uh, until well tomorrow or next time whichever one is uh, the next episode uh, make it a great day cheers thank you for listening to nft 365 if you found this helpful let us know by leaving a review like subscribe share and do all of those good things join our email list to keep up with all things nft 365 we appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always,